I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Benefits of hill work and how to incorporate more hills into your training. Let's face it, hills are hard. If you're looking to increase your power and be able to run well on a hilly course, training on hills is key to your success. Some people live in areas where they just cannot avoid hills, while other people live in areas where they cannot find enough hills. We are going to talk about how to incorporate hills into your run training and our personal favorite workouts to get the most benefit so that you can crush your race on a hilly course. So we're going to talk about the different workouts that we like to incorporate. Specifically, there are maybe like two categories of workouts. The first one is going to focus more on power and the short bursts of energy, such as like shorter hill sprints. And the next one we're going to talk about is hilly tempo runs. And these are really great for if you are training for a marathon, such as the Boston Marathon or even some of these downhill marathons. And I think that's really important to note here is that some of these courses like the California International Marathon or the Boston Marathon, for example, they have a lot of downhill on the course. And so I know, for example, when I was training for California International Marathon for the first time, I don't know, four years ago, um, I thought, you know, it's a net downhill. So it's going to be a pretty, you know, easy course because of the downhills. But what I didn't realize is that the profile of the course, there's also uphills, obviously, but there's also a toll on your quads that is going to happen when you run downhill. And so if you're doing a lot of training on flat terrain thinking, oh, it'll be fine. I'm just going to run really fast down a hill. Um, you might be in for a rude awakening because sometimes those downhill courses can be sneaky. And I know last year, Jason and I went to one of those revel races. It was a downhill half marathon. We both did. And a lot of people know of these races because they take place at the peak of a mountain and they just go downhill. Um, there's the marathon and a half marathon version for pretty much every race. The marathons typically will lose a net of like four to 6,000 feet depending on the race. And so that's 4,000 feet over the course of 26.2 miles. So you're looking at almost every single mile being at least like negative 200 yeah. feet, which is a pretty, I mean, it's, it's almost like unreal. It's hard to find something like that in a typical training, unless you are training on that course, or if you live near the mountains, um, we did the half. So the half, I think dropped about, I don't know, I want to say like two or 3000 feet. Um, there were some miles that were negative 350 feet per mile. So we're talking about like extreme downhill 
And I just wanted Jason to share his experience about how he felt on these downhill courses because I think a lot of people go out there thinking that, okay, it's downhill. It's automatically going to be faster time. I don't need to maybe train as much and I definitely don't need to train on hills. But really, what was your experience on that course? Yeah, so a little background. You know, that was my first experience running a race like that. And we picked one of the more, I would say, like severe downhill races. So it wasn't just like a light, gentle downhill. It was pretty intense, like you were saying. I think it was like a two to 3,000 foot drop in, yeah. in uh, 13 miles. So, you know, I I didn't know exactly, I kind of knew what shape I was in to run a half. So what I basically did was I just started out about that shape for the first mile, about that pace rather. And then I kind of got a feel for it. And I probably ran about 20 to 30 seconds faster per mile. That was kind of my approach. Um, and early on, I started to feel soreness very early in the race, like around mile four. I was already starting to feel fatigue in my legs. And that could be for a number of factors, right? Number one, I wasn't super well trained. Number two, uh, we don't have that type of downhill, um, you know, loss of, of, of uh, elevation around here. So it was really hard to prepare for that. Um, and number three, you know, I was probably somewhat inconsistent with my strength training. So I think that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be, if you're going to be doing a downhill race or an uphill race, rather, you need to be not only training on hills, but also adding in the strength training consistently so that you're you know, all of your, your legs, your muscles, your tendons are strong enough to be able to handle it. Right. And what I do think is really interesting about these downhill races. So we both actually ran that day and I knew going into the race that it was going to be, um, like easier for me just because Mm -hmm. I know my background and knowing like if you're more of a quad dominant versus like back leg dominant runner, you kind of know, like if you are in a race, And people are like blowing by you on the uphill or you feel like you're slowing down a lot more than other people. Um, That's kind of how I know I'm not super good at uphill, but like on the downhill, I can just pass anyone. And I know like when me and you have sometimes done races together, you're like, why are you going so fast on the downhills? And it's just everyone kind of has their strengths and weaknesses. And I think over the years doing a lot of like the treadmill running that can cause a little bit more of like that quad dominant. Um, I just, for whatever reason, have maybe stronger quads um, than like a typical runner. And so where I'm going to excel is on the downhill portions of any course. So like the Boston Marathon, for example, Mm -hmm. even though I'm not great at those uphills, I'm able to like make up for like quote unquote, like make up for time because I'm good at running the downhills and I can like use that to my advantage. Um, but obviously in training, you want to work on your weaknesses so that you're not only relying on your strengths. And I know when you did the Boston Marathon course, um, back in 2015, you ran 249 there. Um, your experience, like we had kind of different experiences there. Like you felt very much fatigued in your quads. Whereas like my hamstrings were the thing that Mm. were going. And so do you think you're more of like maybe better at uphills or do you think you're just more of like a typical average like runner when it comes to quad dominance yeah i mean it's hard to say i think it depends on the the shape i'm in at the time right because back then i was well trained you know i was running like 40 to 60 miles a week consistently uh whereas this half i was kind of running 20 to 30 over the summer just for fun but um i have always felt that yeah you've approached downhills uh a little more aggressively than i run them so i'll kind of hold back a little bit you'll really kind of like open up your stride and just kind of let your momentum carry you down the hill faster than I would. Um, and then for uphills, I would say I probably run them close. I, like I only slow down maybe a little bit. So I kind of, you know, we say even effort when you run up the hill. 
Um, for me, I would say my pace maybe only slows, depending on the size of the hill, maybe 5 to 15 seconds a mile, Jeez. whereas yours might be 20 Wait. to 30 or like 40 seconds. So, it, yeah, I think it really just depends. Part of that might be our background, right? Like, mm-hmm. I have many, many years of running, like, cross-country races where we have a lot of, like, hilly courses. And they're, for the most part, steeper hills, but they're kind of short. Like, you get up them fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Nothing like Heartbreak Hill, you know. It's rare that you have a course like that. Um, and this topic is kind of fun. It kind of makes me think back to, you know, the openings, um, talk about the podcast that you mentioned, the power and then, the, the rolling Hills for like the longer distances. Yep. Um, and being like a college athlete, we would basically go to a pretty steep hill and we would just do a ton of repeats up the hill, um, at a very fast pace. And then our recovery would be jogged down the hill, but we would do this for like 30 to 45 minutes straight. And I think that it kind of worked on both that power aspect and the endurance over time. Because as a cross-country runner, that's what you need, right? You're running a five-mile race. Um, but high school kids, for example, or, you know, if you're a new runner starting and you want to get fast at the 5K, mm-hmm. doing these short hill sprints would be a great way to kind of work on your power and increase your running economy and your form. Yeah, definitely. And I love how you said that, like, background has a lot to do with that. Because when you were training for these shorter distance races, you were doing a lot of that hill work. And so... It maybe is easier to incorporate hills when you're maybe running less mileage and the focus is more so based on power. And so it's not like you're having to add in another element. But sometimes when you are training for a marathon, it's like you got to do these long runs, you got to do these tempo runs. It's like, well, where does the hill work fall? And I think one of the easiest ways that you can really start to incorporate hills into your training, like if this is kind of like a weak spot for you and you're feeling like, yeah, I'm not really great at running hills, uphill or downhill. Um, one way you can just start incorporating it is simply to, on an easy run, like find a hillier route than normal. Try to just incorporate them a little bit more than you normally do. Um, one way that you can kind of track your elevation that I've found kind of interesting is if you are a user of Strava and like that home page on your profile, if you go to view your profile, it'll tell you your total weekly mileage for the week. And then it'll also tell you your total elevation gain for the week. So you could set goals for yourself instead of like weekly mileage goals, you could have like weekly elevation goals. So if you notice that, you know, your weekly mm-hmm. elevation is always like 500 or a thousand or whatever, you could say, okay, well, I'm going to try to get like 200 more feet next week. And so trying to just create an atmosphere where you're kind of keeping an eye on those things. I know as someone who used to really avoid hills and do everything in my power to run as flat as possible for workouts, I mainly did this because I really wanted to hit in certain paces for my workouts because otherwise it was really hard for me to like compare where my progress was. I really wanted to always be either on the track or on a really, really flat road because for me, motivation came from hitting certain splits in certain times and I think the really important transition that I had to make in order to become a stronger hill runner was not to really have those super high expectations for what exactly the pace is going to look like and understanding that you can't always compare workouts right so if you're doing a workout on a hilly course it's going to look a lot different than doing a workout on a flat course And it's also important to know that if you're doing some of these temple runs on a hilly route, you might be someone like me where going up a hill, you're maybe going significantly slower, but on the downhill, you kind of make up for Mm -hmm. that. And so the idea is that you're doing an even effort. And so you want that 
uphill to feel the same way as the downhill. You want it to feel the same. So you don't want to be digging into like an anaerobic pace to go uphill just so that you can like maintain a certain pace on your watch. Yeah, definitely a lot of good points. I think, you know, over the years we've, um, like you said, we've gone through these sort of phases where, oh, hills are good and we're going to kind of seek them out. And then other times maybe we lived in like flatter neighborhoods and we try to avoid them, right? And they just were looked at as something like, why would we do hills, right? So I think it kind of depends on, yeah, what type of races that you're training for, what do you have around you? Um, and, you know, I've definitely gone through years where I've, just like you, I've sought out flat routes so I could hit my workouts and hit certain times. Um, but I've really liked what you mentioned about Strava and how you can find like you know, ways to challenge yourself. I know they have like different badges that you can try to accumulate over the course of like a month if you gain like X number of feet of gain and that sort of thing. So those are fun to sign up for. Um, and, and then too, like with long runs, if you're doing a hilly marathon, like it's good to shoot for like a certain level of gain through your long runs. So you make sure you find a route that's got at least like six to 800 feet of gain or whatnot. And, and that'd be a good way to, I think, challenge yourself as well. Um, yeah. and I know we used to do that when we were training for Boston or Twin Cities. We'd look at like, what is the total elevation gain for those races? And we try to make sure that we'd have about similar gain in our, you know, 18 to 20 mile long runs so that you're mm -hmm. kind of used to it and your legs are going to be prepared for it. Yeah, and I think it's really important just to remember in general that it's going to be a transition. So if you're someone who isn't used to running a lot of hills or it's just really flat where you live and, and you're going to try incorporating some of these like hillier tempos or do like a hill workout, you're going to notice like a significant drop in the pace to right off the bat. I mean, even just moving to this hillier neighborhood where we live now, it's like most of the seven mm -hmm. mile runs we do it's it's over like 500 600 feet um of elevation which to some people that's not really that hilly but it was a pretty drastic change going from that to where we were previously at it's like a seven mile run with 100 feet was considered right. like not flat so um it's just a transitionary period and a lot of my runs on Strava when we lived in the flatter area were between like eight and 845 pace for an easy run but now it's like I'm in the nines for my easy runs. And, and I think just kind of giving yourself that space to go slower. I know as runners, especially in like the age of social media or whatever, um, sometimes we are our own like worst critics and we're like, oh, I don't want to slow down. I don't want people to think I'm like losing fitness. But you definitely will burn out if you're trying to like add in new variables and not um, making other adjustments. So Hills will definitely slow you down if you're going from running a seven mile route with 50 feet of mm -hmm. gain versus 500 feet of gain. You know, you can expect to slow down at least 30 seconds per mile, if not more. Um, and it is important to slow down because you have to give your muscles and ligaments and tendons like that chance to adapt to the training. So if you add too many hills too quickly, um, you could have things flare up because you are utilizing different muscles that aren't necessarily being used on a flat route. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, so for most runners, if you kind of live in a flatter area or you're not super experienced with doing like hill specific workouts, you know, the best way to kind of get acclimated would just be to incorporate some gentle rolling hills into your easy runs. And then you could do maybe um, like a small hill workout like every third week or something, Start with, starting with just maybe a... 10 to 12 second hill so mm -hmm. nothing more than you know 50 80 meters in length so it doesn't need it and the 
the steepness of the hill is not what's so important, especially off the mat, right? You just need something that's kind of got an incline. So start there, do a couple reps of that, and then you know you can kind of increase that as you go. And you like you said, you want to make sure that you don't have like a flare up or that your calves are super sore the next day. And you know I know I've made that mistake before where I've avoided hills for a long time, then I went back to them, you know, just because that was something I used to do. And so I'd, I'd probably do too many off the bat and then they'd be sore. And so it's, it's just something that, you know, like everything with your training, it needs to be progressive. It needs to be built in. Um, probably wouldn't recommend doing it more than one hill session in every two to three weeks, um, you know, starting off the bat. Yeah, definitely. And I like how you added, um, that thing about when you start incorporating hills, um, and, and how to find a hill, right? How do you find a hill for your hill mm. workouts? Um, and sometimes that can in and of itself be really tricky. If you live in a pretty flat area, I know where we used to live, there just like, wasn't anything that was like even remotely close to a hill. So like, we'd have to find like an incline. Um, and I guess like that worked as a starter. I'm sure it did more than doing nothing. Right. Um, but if you do live in an area that has access to hills, maybe you're like, well, I don't know which hill to pick. Like, I don't know how steep you want to go. And with hill workouts, it's a little bit different than every other type of workout because depending on the grade of the hill, um, your pace is going to vary greatly. So if you have like a super steep hill, it's like you might not even be able to hit marathon Mm -hmm. pace going up that hill. And that would probably feel like a sprint. Um, if you're going at like a, a smaller hill that looks more like an incline, you might be able to hit like your mile pace going up the hill. And so it's really hard as a coach to like prescribe paces and how to like find the perfect hill. Um, it's more going to be based off of effort, right? So if you have a hill workout, for example, that's like six by one minute hill at 5k 10k effort um you're you're just gonna want to have to go off of effort there right and so knowing what 5k pace would feel like so if on flat ground your 5k pace is like seven minute pace going up the hill you're gonna want to think how does seven minute pace feel but if it's a very very steep hill don't be surprised if you're hitting eight minute pace and it feels like an all out sprint especially like the first couple of reps and if this is the first time you've ever done that workout really give yourself grace and like don't look at the pace because I think it can be extremely discouraging when you're starting to do some of these hill workouts and you go and you're like yep okay I'm gonna do like one minute hard up this hill and you look and you're going like your easy pace Mm -hmm. um because you're like what I'm pushing it like why is this pace not faster and what I found is once you kind of get warmed up and you do a couple of the reps, you can actually start hitting faster paces. You start to train your body, like how to push yourself uphill. And some of that is just like learning how to run with good form uphill, learning like how to engage your muscles in the appropriate way. Um, so just giving yourself that ability to ease in and don't, don't get like afraid of whatever pace you see. Yeah. You said a lot of good things there that had a lot of thoughts come to mind. Um, the first would be like, you know, as far as the grade, um, you mentioned it's, it's going to alter your pace big time. Right. And so never really compare, you know, one hill to the next because of those factors, like the distance might be off, the grade might be different. Mm -hmm. Um, but what's better is to figure out, you know, what is the goal of this workout? And so if it's a shorter hill, you might be taxing yourself a bit because it only takes 10 to 15 seconds to get up. So you might be running it at 90, 98% effort, you know? Um, so then compare your, your, hill repeats to each other for that specific session. If the goal is something a little bit longer, 
Um, so it's more of like an incline on a huge hill. Maybe it takes you 30 to 45 seconds to get up. You know, maybe you're going to be doing, you know, instead of like eight to 10 reps, you're going to do like four to six, you know? And so there it's going to be probably at a, it could be at a faster pace, um, depending on the steepness of the hill. But again, comparing your, you know, whatever you run your first one in, trying to compare that as you go. And that's one thing I think we try to do very well in college is, you know, we had about four different hill hills around that we would you know regularly use um and we kind of knew like what should be your average pace range for those hills and for a lot of them you know if you're hitting like i don't know if you get to the top of the hill and you're between like 40 to 44 seconds for example on one specific hill that would be good right if you're running if you're hitting there at 38 you're probably running a little bit too fast if you're running 48 you're running too slow and so you kind of get a feel for it as you go and you do each specific hill workout a little bit more frequently how fast you should be running yeah, definitely a lot of good information there. And sometimes people are like, well, where are you getting these hills, right? Like, I can't find a hill or it's just really tough. And I know living in Minnesota, um, it, it can be tough depending on like where you're located to find <clears throat> substantial hills. Um, you might have to drive somewhere, right? So sometimes that meant like taking a 30-minute drive somewhere and like running a route I've never ran before in order to get those hills and there's certain areas within the twin cities that do have hills and so sometimes it's stepping outside of your comfort zone maybe like asking someone in the running community like hey where can i go like where's a hilly route um if you're living somewhere like florida it just realistically there might not be any hills and so you might have to like try other other ways to get hills and one tool that can really be helpful is the treadmill the inclined feature on the treadmill it allows you to train on hills when there maybe are no hills outside and it is really important if you are training for a race like the boston marathon that you do get hill training in somehow so i know a lot of people don't love the treadmill but it can be a good tool when you're trying to get that hill training in um, if you do live in Florida, I know overpasses or running on bridges, um, not overpasses, but running on bridges can be uh, one way that people get some hill training in. Um, I also know the Stairmaster can be a good tool to work on building the same muscles that are used in hill running. Yeah, good point about the treadmill. Um, you know, I'm seeing, I saw that a lot this winter with athletes. When I prescribed like a hill workout, you know, especially if they couldn't get outside because the, the roads were snowy and icy. Um, it was safer to do these on the treadmill, right? And um, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes I, I, you know, I look at each athlete and kind of see how they interpret the hills, and they'll leave comments like, "Oh, I did it at eight to ten percent grade." And others will be like, "I did it four to six percent and whatnot." <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like, um, yeah. It, again, it's it's sort of pr progressing at at the right rate. So like, don't do hill repeats at a ten percent grade if you've never really done them at like a four percent grade before, right? So make sure it's progressive. Um, and then the nice thing about the treadmill is it's very controlled. So you can run consistent paces each time, right? You can even like wait until the incline changes and the pace changes and then kind of like hop on. And it's the same with, um, stopping your repeat as well. You can just hop on to the side. Um, so I think that the treadmill is really useful tool for kind of learning how to run hills. Um, and then too, to make it more progressive, right? Like you have more control over, um, you know, progressing in terms of incline, you know, maybe one week you're doing a 2.5 to 3% grade, the next week it's three and a half to four and that sort of thing, as opposed to trying to find a hill like, you know, well, this one took me 15 seconds to get up and now this one's like 35, you know, and so like that's maybe too much of a jump, whereas the treadmill allows you nice, more gradual um, changes in your hill progression. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of ways to utilize the treadmill to get 
benefits of hill training that you maybe wouldn't otherwise be able to get outside so i know some people don't love that tool but if it is your only option and you live somewhere where there literally are no hills it can be a great tool and i think when you sign up for races that are hilly like the boston marathon or like flying pig um, you just have to know that part of your training has to be dedicated to hills and if you don't train for hills you're not going to be able to like race to your potential on race day. So if you are someone who really wants to have like a positive race experience at these races, it's really important to incorporate hill training and it's almost like a cornerstone for the race. Um, the Boston Marathon, for example, is just, it's just such a hilly course that I think it kind of takes people by surprise if they don't necessarily train for it because you can qualify at like all these races like you could qualify at Chicago where it's super flat and you could live somewhere like Florida where it's super flat and if everything you've ever done is super flat and you go out to run this race and you think you're going to be able to like run the same time on that course without doing the hill work it's going to be um it's going to be hard it's going to be like a hard day for you and, and it's like a humbling experience so making sure that you start doing some of that base building like working on doing the shorter hill sprints um, in the off season and when you're building your base. And then as you get more into the marathon specific cycle, utilizing some of those like hillier tempo runs. And so if you are training for a marathon that is gonna be hilly, Boston, New York, um, gosh, there's so many hilly marathons. But if you are training for a race and you know it's gonna have a little bit of elevation change, it's important to do some of your marathon pace tempos or steady state work on rolling hills so that you can get an idea for like where your fitness is at. Um, I, for example, could do a certain workout on a flat course hitting marathon pace and it would be 10 seconds per mile faster than if I were to do it on a hilly route. And it's really important so that you practice and you know what sort of paces you would be hitting maybe on an uphill section of a course versus a downhill section of a course. Because no one wants to get to the end of their taper, look at their pacing plan and be like, oh, I, I don't know how I'm gonna pace this based mm -hmm. on the hills. When you have the experience running steady state or marathon pace on hills, it gives you confidence going into race day if you are running on a hilly course. Yeah, that's a good point. The mental side is so important with hills, especially if you're kind of you know, new to doing one of these hillier races. Um, it's super important to get that experience in training. You know, it'll make you persevere through each hill repeat that you do or, you know, each time you have a hilly run. Um, it just makes you more mentally tough. And I think that prepares you um, to tackle, you know, a hillier race and more challenging race. And I don't know, for us, Boston, the first year we did it, you know, the it seemed like for me, the, the wind and the rain kind of picked up as I was going up the forward noon mm -hmm. hills. And so like, it just, it was a good thing that I had trained and was prepared for that. Otherwise, I think I would have slowed down a lot more um, than I did. And then, you know, the other thing too, is you brought up, you know, the example of someone that really doesn't train on hills and they go and they do one of these races. And the reason it's so hard is because your body is burning through more calories. It's yeah. requiring, you're having to put forth more effort to be able to get up the hill or to, you know, even if you're running downhill, it just, you're not on a level surface. So your muscles are all kind of being taxed differently than they're used to being. And so you're burning through your fueling storages a lot quicker and you might be more likely to bonk. And so you got to make sure that you're um, fueling you know, even more so than you would. And then also, you know, trying to prevent these things from happening by training on hills and just being, being a well-rounded, stronger athlete. Um, so that's where the weight room, I think, is really key if you're in an area. I know I have some athletes like in Houston that they have no hills. And so it's like, well, what can you do? You know, you could 
really mm-hmm. focus on your strength training. You could go, you know, run bleachers at the football stadium. Um, you got to get creative with ways to uh, assimilate um, the training so that mentally you're going to be at least ready for it. Right. Definitely a lot of really good points there. And part of the reason why hills is important, like you were saying, is if you don't incorporate them into your training, you're always training on flat land and you go into one of these races such as Boston and you think, okay, I'm just going to hit about this pace for the race. Um, it's, it's really hard to pace in a race where the elevation is constantly changing. Like the first mm-hmm. mile of Boston marathon is directly downhill. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, what pace should I start at? And it's like, well, what did you mm-hmm. practice in training? Like, what is your marathon pace? Let's start slower than that. Um, let's go off of like whatever effort you're kind of used to. Right. And they're like, well, it's all downhill. Like I want to, you know, kind of bang time, bang time right. or like, I want to like start good or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But then the second mile, it's like, there's like an, a gradual uphill in places. And so I think where people get, where it starts to really take a toll is during those first couple of miles when there are those uphill sections and you're trying to like maintain a certain pace when you're like going up these hills. And if you're doing that at the beginning of a race, what you're doing is zapping your energy because you're digging into like your threshold or anaerobic zones at the beginning of a race. And that is really, really hard to do in a marathon because you have to stay in your aerobic zone. And if you're not staying in your aerobic zone for the first like two, three hours of the race, you're going to bonk hard when you hit that like two hour point in the marathon. And it's just going to be the no coming back from that. So you really have to make sure you're keeping things in an aerobic level. And that's why hill work is so important because you want to know like, what is my aerobic limit going up a hill um because if you're doing a race and you're constantly like gassing out at the the top of a hill you're probably going to experience that feeling for several miles at the end of a race because you're zapping the wrong system and Mm -hmm. you're just burning through energy faster than if you were to keep it on an aerobic pace um, once I did a 50 K one time, it was like one and done. And I did a lot of research going into this. I was only like 22 or 23 years old. So I had no idea really what I was doing. Um, and uh, everything I was reading online was walk the hills. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hmm, I, I don't know about that. You know, I was like a three, three twenty-seven marathoner at the time. So I was like, I don't know if I really like need to walk hills. You know, I just thought, <laughs> why would I need to walk hills? But then I said, you know, these people who wrote these blogs on the internet, they know what they're talking about. These are like ultra marathoners, they're 100 milers, so I'm just gonna follow whatever they write because I wanna do it right. So I started the race at like a conservative like 8.45 pace and there was like a pack of people around me for the first, you know, 12, 13, 14 miles. And every time there was a hill, I was really embarrassed because I was the only one that would stop to walk up the hill. Meanwhile, everyone was like running up the hill and then I would eventually kind of catch up to them and then there would be another hill and then I would walk and they would all run. Um, So I just kind of was like, is this even worth it? Like I just felt kind of silly because I didn't feel like I needed to be walking up those hills. But around mile like 15, that's when like things started hitting the fan for a lot of people, which is about, you know, a little bit over the two hour mark. And I started like passing a lot of people um, and then kind of like working my way up to like second female and I was like how I don't even know how this is happening right I think it was like top top five overall but there were so many people that had the approach of okay I'm just gonna like run the Mm -hmm. whole thing 
But because I walked the hills, I guess I was like conserving more energy. And overall, my pace ended up being, it averaged to be faster than if I probably would have ran the hills. I mean, looking at the people around me, it obviously worked out better because I was the only person walking the hills. And then I was able to kind of sustain more energy over a long period of time. And I know the longer the race, obviously, the more important that becomes. So if you're doing a 50 or 100 miler, Mm -hmm. that's the common advice, right? I mean, I'm sure if you're like the super elite people, maybe you're not. Uh, But if you're someone like me, uh, maybe even towards like the front medium part of the pack, you might be surprised that walking could actually save some time, right? And so I'm not saying you have to like walk up hills necessarily, but it could be an option. And I recently ran a 318 marathon back in 20, what was it, 2021, um, where I walked through all of the water stops because to me it would take less energy to stop, drink the water than it would to like try to, oh, like, you know, waterboard myself while I'm (laughs) running. So it's all about the energy conservation and so knowing what that is for you is super important and for some of us even myself included it might mean walking up a hill well especially if you're new to like running a super hilly race or your first altar or whatnot and i know for you like that course was legit i mean i remember (laughs) driving around the hills were insane and so you know it was a good thing it was a smart decision on your part and so you know every ultra runner i've coached we kind of told them the same thing because most of those races are fairly hilly and you just kind of don't get that same experience in your training. Yeah. You know, like you don't know what it's like to have to, you know, have already like three, three K feet of elevation gain at 25 miles into your run and you still have to run another like 25 miles, you know? And so it's just like, yeah, learning about that through your experience, like what that energy conversation conservation rate is for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. Um, and it starts with just the fundamentals of learning how to run hills in the beginning of like, how to address an incline, how to address a steep hill, um, and then just kind of like working your way up from there. And so I think even if you don't have anything like on the training calendar, it's still smart to sprinkle hill workouts into your training uh, every couple of weeks just because it's there's so many benefits, right? You mentioned the aerobic strength benefit a while ago, um, but overall just like your running economy and making you feel stronger or faster. Um, so I work with a lot of athletes who, um, you know, I've worked with them for a long time and depending on like what their goals are and what they have on the training calendar, I'll kind of make sure that people have a hill workout every so often. Um, just because I feel like it's, it's going to provide them benefits and it's going to continue to work on their mental toughness as well. Yeah. And I think it was really interesting hearing you talk about like the walk breaks and how I think there is a stigma with that. And there's that whole like, Oh, you know, if you stop to walk up a hill, I've heard people say that their goal is to like run the whole marathon. And I'm like, well, wouldn't you want to, like, what if you could have a faster time if you did walk up a hill? You know what I mean? And that's the thing is when you say that, oh, my goal is, like, not to stop and walk, it's like, that could be a good goal, but, like, sometimes I think there is a stigma of, okay, I'm, I just won't do it. But for me, I know when I did that ultra, it's like I still came through the 26.2 mile mark at, like, 350-something. And so you can run a sub-four-hour marathon if you're walking up every single hill. Um, and sometimes people just think that it's going to like chew up and take off so much of your time. But if you're utilizing like those walks as like a chance to kind of get, um, stay in that aerobic zone and then like maybe do your fueling while you're going up the hill, um, drink some water, maybe you have like a hydration pack, those sort of things. 
um, you might actually save time by utilizing these walk breaks. And so definitely don't be afraid of utilizing walk breaks, whatever you need to do to like keep it aerobic. And I know the longer the race distance, sometimes like the more important that is to like consider. And so practicing how you are going to approach the race in your training is also key. So if you are considering, Hey, like maybe this is a better way for me to approach my race. Maybe you should try training that way. So if you're running like a super hilly race and you think, okay, maybe I'm going to like walk up some of these really steep hills, maybe practice that during your training run. So you kind of can see that it's not really going to take up or chew off um, as much time as you think it probably will actually save you time in the long run. And even one time when I was running like a one, I think I ran like a 130 or 131 half marathon. Um, and there was like three other women around me, we all stopped to walk up one hill at this one particular race. It was just very, very steep. And so it wasn't like we were coming to a dead stop. It was like we were like hiking up it almost because that's just like the way that it was going to get there faster just because of how steep the hill was. We all kind of like made that judgment call that, okay, we're going to walk like, you know, a couple steps just to get up this hill and then start running again because it's all about how you can conserve the energy and also like get to the finish line in the fastest route possible and sometimes that does mean hey we're gonna stop for a second and walk yeah <laughs> a really good point and um you know for most people running their first like ultra they a lot of times don't really have a time goal and so the goal is really to finish and you should want to feel as as good for as long as possible during a race like that and keeping your heart rate down and so by doing those walk breaks that allows the heart rate to kind of stay down and like you said conserve some energy um, you know, if, if a normal, let's say it's a hill that would take you about 40 seconds to maybe run up at your pace, so let's say you're running 8:30. But if you decide to walk it, you could probably, it'll it'll double your time to, to it'll double the time it takes to get up the hill. Um, but really, that extra 40 seconds you could probably get back later on. And so, yeah, definitely good examples there of how to sort of just make sure you're keeping your your effort in the same range and you're not having like these spikes mm -hmm. and these these dips you know in in effort or the spikes in your effort level just because that can really affect heart rate and energy um consumption and all of that and then you know the other point thinking back to that downhill race that we did um you know i had i i had difficulty at times on the really really steep downhill mm -hmm. sections like holding holding back like it was almost like my body wanted to propel me forward but and if I would have allowed that I would I would be scared that I would just like my legs would move too fast my body would like <laughs> topple over my legs and so I had I kind of had to hold back and find like what is that balance like what is that pace I can kind of maintain right. where it's not like because if I try to hold back too much it's my legs are going to fall as well and I'm just they're going to give out on me so it was like mm -hmm. it was weird to figure that out um but I, I remember just like waiting for a stretch that was just kind of like a nice steady downhill. And that to me felt like, oh, that was like the relaxing point of the race, right? Even though you're still running down the hill. Um, and so it's kind of the same with like hills. If you're running an uphill race, whatnot, um, kind of mentally breaking up the hill maybe into certain parts. Like if you see that it's like steeper at one section versus another and it's more gradual, like how can you break that up to make it more like mentally um, right. um, you know, allowing yourself to get through it easier. And so I think just learning through your training, finding, finding different ways to challenge yourself. I think that's the best way to prepare for these types of like extreme endurance activities that you might do. Yeah. There's definitely like a mental component to hill work for sure. And it was funny listening to like you talk about the, the downhill race during those sections. I was just like, well, you know, I took all breaks off. I was like, just go. And I let myself go like it. as fast as 
I felt good and felt like I could maintain for the 13.1 and I didn't have my watch on auto lap so I had no reference of how fast I was going um, but I actually like PR'd in my mile at like mile five and if I would have known that yeah. in the middle of race, I would have just I was like a would have panicked I think even when we went through like the 10 mile mark I kind right. of was panicking I was like this I shouldn't have gone this fast but in hindsight, it's like, actually, I should have because I felt fine pretty much all the way to the finish, um, like, it, like it was a strong race. And that's part of it is, like, knowing how you want to feel, I think, is the most important part because it's it's more about a feeling and knowing your body because your body's constantly sending you signals of, like, okay, this is too fast, this is too slow. And if you start to lean more into, like, what your body is telling you, when you are doing some of your workouts, instead of like hyper focusing on these outside metrics such as pace, you're going to actually be able to perform better on race day because in environments such as, you know, these extreme downhill races that we've never done before, I was able to be like, well, let's just, you know, listen to my body and see kind of what happens and and it worked out well. Um, but that is something that comes over time with practice and I think, a lot of people like kind of expect that if they do this for like a year or if they do this for six months that they're going to see like some really drastic results and in reality with like distance running and with anything in general it sometimes takes like years to really improve um and just sharing like one last story is the first time we went out to boston in 2015 i thought i trained really well on hills i did do hill work i did everything to the book um i was prepared for that course However, I had only really been running for like seven years and only been doing hill work for just that training cycle. So I ran pretty well, you know, given all of those things, but I was expecting to really just be able to crush it like next level, um, you know, run a PR, whatever. And so I was pretty like down on myself and I was like, well, I guess, you know, hill work didn't work. And so I just decided to not do it. And so then the next year I just didn't really do hill work. And I ran seven minutes slower. And then um, kind of as the story goes, it's like when you toss something out, it, it, it doesn't really help, right? So I could have been faster if I maybe, you know, stayed more dedicated to the hill training. But anyways, fast forward six years after my first Boston, I finally went back and I ran like a time 10 minutes faster than that first time. And I finally felt like comfortable and confident on the hills. And I just remember thinking like, okay, all of this work did pay off because eventually a couple of years ago, like I embraced hill training and I was like, it doesn't really matter um, what your paces are. Just try to really incorporate those things. And it really does pay off. And even the history of me doing hill workouts back six, seven years ago, all of that is like a base and it builds and it builds and it builds and it makes you a strong person. And I think the same can be said Mm -hmm. for like strength training, right? Some of these people that you see at the gym, they're like, super jacked you're like how are you so strong you know um and that's just what consistency over time does um sometimes you see people on like social media and you're like wow like how do you like your physique you're just so muscular like you have like six packs or whatever um and sometimes people will like point out my oh your quads like what do you do and i'm like okay i've been running for a really long time so it's just adaptations that occur over time Sometimes it's just, it takes a really, really long time to see the type of outcomes that you want, but over time, the time's going to pass anyways, so might as well do the hard work and get better at those things that we want to accomplish and achieve in life. Wow. Yeah, really well said. It's a great reminder that 
you know, in order to kind of reach your potential or to feel really good about your performance on a race course like that with, with challenging hills, it not only takes, um, to be mentally confident and ready for it, but it takes a certain amount of like experience over time. Right. Um, as well as a high level of fitness. And so when you put those three pieces together, years and years of training, you know, you've been able to stay consistent. You've been able to increase your aerobic endurance, um, as well as your mental confidence. Cause going into Boston this year, I'm sure you were this last year, I'm sure you're a lot more confident than you were going into your first boss, even though you thought at the time you were pretty confident. Um, but that's, that's a, a pretty like normal, like rookie mistake. I think a lot of runners yeah. make when they go to like a, a course for the first time, they feel like they're ready and everything. But what they don't realize is like, okay, throwing in, you know, a thousand feet of gain in your 18 to 20 mile long runs where you maybe <laughs> only had, I don't know, maybe six to eight miles worth of marathon effort in there is not the same as running 26 miles at marathon effort right. on a tough course too. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it takes the experience. Decades. It takes, yeah, like years and years. It can take, um, a lot of different types of experience as well. Like I think, you know, even doing that ultra, I think that helped you in the long right. run. Like I think all, even doing the downhill races, I'm sure helped right. you because it gave you the confidence, like that you weren't going to run the downhills like too fast and not have energy by the time you get to Newton, you know, that sort of thing. So I think, um, yeah, it's just a great reminder that, you know, never to be too hard on yourself and don't neglect a certain part of your training just because you think that you didn't get the results from it as quickly as you would have hoped. Right, definitely. And I think it's just really important to remember that is that hard work does pay off. I know we're kind of going off tangent, but when you put in the work, it does take a while to see results, but you just have to be patient. And I know even like the first time you ran your marathon, you probably thought, okay, you know, like I've been running for a really long time. This is going to maybe come like quote unquote easy to me, but mm -hmm. it didn't. Right. And so that's kind of, that's how distance running is. I think a lot of people think that it like comes easy yeah. to some people, but it's like, you really have to put in the work. And so you really had to put in more work to excel at those longer distance races. And over time it did kind of pay off. And then when you stopped, you know, training for the marathon distance, it's like, it's not like it naturally is there, right? It's not like this right. natural ability. It's like, you would really have to like ramp up if you wanted to get back to that marathon training level. And so sometimes people can like bust out really fast five Ks and we just assume, okay, yeah, like you should be able to run this in the marathon, right. but it's like, That's... no, it takes so long to like, build to your optimal aerobic fitness in the marathon yeah and it's like another great example because i ran my first my debut half went very well right i ran a fast time and then so why didn't the marathon go as well well it's twice the distance right. you know and it's it's just it's a lot different it's a lot yeah. harder you know you're out there for so much longer and i think that you need to develop a certain level of like experience and and uh, perseverance through a lot of tough experiences in order to really understand what you're getting yourself into and so it's best to always, um, you know, have like a, a more like realistic goal or not, not such a time related goal, but more of like a feeling goal that you want to feel at certain parts of the race, especially if it's like one of your first, uh, tastes of a longer distance event. Yeah. Giving yourself that ability and grace to be a quote unquote beginner at something, um, is really important. So even if you have a lot of years of running experience on like flatland and you've never done hill workout, well, give yourself the chance to like begin this and you're not going to be an expert overnight. And I think that was one of the things going into Boston. It's like you, you spend so many years qualifying 
for that first time and you're like, I'm so experienced. And people would try to like warn us and they'd say, hey, Boston's pretty hilly. Like, don't don't try to like go after PR. And they like wink at us and they're like, oh. no, seriously. They're yeah. like, don't expect a PR. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. Especially <laughs> like, when you look at the course elevation map, right. like at the expo and you're like, what? This you're is like, like so, it's like a downhill roller coaster. <laughs> like, of course I'm going to crush it, right? But it's like, we're such rookies. We're like such beginners. And these people have like ran the course so many times. And so I do think it's funny because it's like, while we were a beginner at like the Boston Marathon course, it's like, you think you're more advanced than you are because it takes so long to get to Boston. And so I think that's really important to like keep in perspective is that within the sport of running, you can be like a beginner at like a specific distance so like even at, at track races like I would consider myself like a super beginner like I don't know anything about like racing the mile or like the 400 like I would be such a beginner but some people would look at me and be like well you, you're a really experienced runner but it that doesn't mean I'm experienced at everything right so kind of knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are and then based on what your goals are start to incorporate things that can help you grow and get to what those goals are yeah good point you know this just came to mind i don't know why but when i was an athlete in college and then when i coached college athletes we'd always have these races back to back and the first one was super hilly and then we go to a different course not just six days later and everyone would run about a minute 30 seconds faster um over the course of five miles and so you know you think about that and it's like six days you didn't gain any fitness but really the course was just because it was faster and the, the hills were a little bit different. Um, I think that everyone approached it different mentally. And um, it's just a good reminder of like, yeah, make the adjustments necessary for the conditions that you're faced with, depending on what race environment that you're in. Right. So you might be in like 3.30 marathon mm -hmm. shape on the Chicago marathon course. But, you know, if you didn't really incorporate hills and you're doing like a super hilly race, maybe you know adjust those goals and and right. vice versa right so if you live in a really hilly area and you've done a ton of hill work yeah. and you think you know maybe you know if i was running around my neighborhood i'd be a 340 marathon but i'm running the chicago marathon where it's pretty flat like maybe you're gonna go even faster so like you said it's adapting to kind of like what you tr what you trained with right and then what you get for your race day course and ideally they would kind of like line up or race day would be slightly easier then your training because you know if you train in the summer the heat you would hope that on your marathon day it's going to be cool but ideally it's like you would at least have trained in the conditions that you're going to race in um so yeah i hope this podcast was useful i know a lot of it was about hill training and you know like hilly races but it is really important to remember that it builds over time so even if you incorporate like one Hill workout a month that can go a long way. You know that's twelve hill workouts a week. If you do that for a decade, that's like one hundred and twenty hill workouts, and it does build over time. So never think that your efforts aren't worth it. They're always worth it, and you're always building towards something. So if you're looking for a little bit more guidance and maybe some more specific workouts that are like specific to the races you're training for and the goals that you have, we would love to help you with that in prescribed specific paces and everything based on your background and goals. If you fill out the form at www.runforprs.com, we can get you set up with a free seven-day trial of coaching and custom workouts. So again, that's www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day trial. Thanks for tuning in.